My personal USB is that, you know, for me, if you want to know where your life is going to be in five years time, you listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth now. I'm, you know, I speak to my truth. Words have, for me, have life. They, you know, they, 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 you know, they summon the universe. So be careful what you ask for. I'm an absolute believer in the law of attraction and positive thinking. Um, and, you know, and as I said, by the grace of God, you know, mm -hmm. it has got me through because there have been challenges. Mm -hmm. I didn't think when I put myself forward for the fourth time, it took me four attempts uh, <laughs> yes. to be, yeah, really be successfully elected. Yes. Um, I did not think that I would come to be president at a time to tell under Brexit. I'm, I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry, to sorry. Interrupt, Stephanie, sorry to interrupt you, but where does that come from? The fourth time. And I'm, I'm sure you're probably someone that would probably try the seventh or the eighth time. Absolutely. Well, where does that come from? It comes from that burning desire that went deep down in the, into my very core that wanted to be the change that I wanted to see. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. One of the current topics they talk, we listen. <laughs> My guest today gives a new meaning to tenacity, persistency, and determination. She is the first of many things, which we will discuss in this episode. She has a passion for justice, social mobility, education, and the law. This will be an exciting and inspirational episode of Heads Talk today. But before we get into that, here's a brief message. As someone who has put their heart and soul into their business, have you forgotten to look after your own finances and future planning? My name is Victoria McLagan, and I'm a lawyer and trust and estates practitioner and founder of EWPS. I'm a trusted advisor and have been helping my clients and their families with wills, powers of attorney and probate for over 17 years. If you would like to talk through your future financial protection and will planning on a fixed fee basis, please contact me at victoria at ewps.ch for a free no-obligation chat. Let's talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter. Stephanie Boyce is the 177th president of the Law Society of England and Wales. Stephanie will hand over the reins to a new president in a matter of days and we will cover the details of this here today. Stephanie was admitted as a solicitor in 2002 and has a wealth of experience in corporate governance, regulatory frameworks, and professional regulation. She holds a number of statutory appointments with her local authority and has recently been appointed to His Majesty's Treasury and the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy Commission, an independent task force boosting social economic diversity at senior levels in financial and professional services. Stephanie wears many hats and has numerous titles to include chair, commissioner, trustee, board member, the list goes on. Hopefully we will cover some of this in this episode today. Academically, Stephanie holds a Master of Law in Public Law and Global Governance from King's College. She's a fellow of the Chartered Governance Institute, UK and Ireland, and an honorary professor of law at the Dixon Poon School of Law, King's College, London. 
And in 2021 and 2022, she made it to the power list of 100 most influential black people in the UK. We've got quite a bit to cover today. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Stephanie to Heads Talk. Absolutely honored and delighted to have you here today. Thank you very much. This episode is mostly about your role as the president of the Law Society. Um, you will hand over the reins, as mentioned, soon. And I would like my listeners to hear some of your insights before, before this happens. Um, okay, let's begin. Um, what would you say are your top three achievements as the president of the Law Society of England and Wales? What have you done, put in place, or even changed that you'd like to share with my listeners? Where do I start? I mean, there's been so many achievements um, that it's it's very difficult to 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 pick out um, to pick out uh, three. But um, I mean, first of all, becoming president of the Law Society as I did in March 2021, mm -hmm. um, and in doing so, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you know, um, a number of uh, uh, barriers that I smashed through at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, becoming the first black, the first person of colour, and mm -hmm. I'm now the longest serving president, um, as I'm about to leave office uh, in, in six days, I think, five days time. Mm -hmm. But there have been so many uh, um, achievements internally, externally. You know, we've had some wins with government, um, some U-turns from government in terms of on legislation, on policy. The most notable at the moment is the shelving of the Bill of Rights Bill. Whilst not permanently shelved, um, it's certainly not going to come back um, in this parliament, um, mm -hmm. we would uh, uh, hope. Um, as well as, you know, the way I have been honoured to preside over the profession as president and the way we have galvanised ourselves around um, ADI uh, and social mobility, mm -hmm. around mental health and well-being, around yeah. access to justice, um, just so many things in so many different places. You know, we've spoken about EDI before, but to have done so in the way that we've done it, to have those conversations in the places that we've had those conversations um, and the way we've galvanized ourselves as a profession is, is, is testament um, to, and, and my achievement as president, to the growing social opportunity and dynamism there is in this profession, but equally a recognition that more must be done. Mm. And um, I think one or two struck me that I, I wouldn't mind if you could expand on. You were involved in a campaign to sort of ensure the safety of legal professions in Afghanistan. Uh, where are you with this today? So, um, so uh, there have been, so we can, some of it is um, sensitive, um, so I can't speak much of it, mm -hmm. but certainly what we have done, um, we keep uh, um, uh, the lines of communication open between colleagues um, around the world and in uh, Afghanistan, as well as with uh, governments. Um, to ensure that colleagues who um, uh, have the information um, and can ensure that they are being directed uh, mm -hmm. to the right places. Mm. And you mentioned that you talked about um, mental health. Um, you're doing a lot of work with legal practitioners in that space, aren't you? Absolutely. So one of the things that we've done under my tenure is the Law Society now has a mental health hub on its uh, web pages. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the other th things I did uh, when I became president is that I nominated three charities to support my work. Mm -hmm. Access to Justice Foundation, which does exactly what it says, um, Sutton Trust around social mobility, mm -hmm. and Law Care, the mental health and wellbeing charity. 
Um, and so when I uh, became an office holder um, and every time I spoke um, and somebody uh, wanted to uh, uh, contribute a fee or whatever, mm. I directed them towards these three charities. Um, I also recently did a sponsored gala dinner uh, for the three charities. And I'm so pleased to announce that we um, raised £22,510 for each of those three charities. That's a huge amount. Um, Yeah. Yeah, each of the charities. So some 60, uh, what's that, 67, uh, just under 68,000 pounds. So a huge achievement. So thank you, thank you to everyone. So that um, that money will go towards helping those three charities continue to do the vital work that they are doing and raise awareness around uh, not only around mental health and well-being, social mobility, and of course, access to justice, which we know is a real issue mm-hmm. within this country. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for that. Right, the next question I love, um, and it reminds me of, you know, the letter that each outgoing US president writes to the newly elected president and leaves it in a desk drawer in the sort of Oval Office at the end of their tenure. So I'm going to ask you, Stephanie, um, what would be in that letter to the next president of the Law Society? What is your advice to them? My advice is you have to, you know, when I came to office, I said, you know, I was very clear, I'm not going to please everyone, um, you know, because we're some 210,000 solicitors. We come in, we, you know, we practice in different areas, in different locations. We have different interests and we are different. We are a diverse profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I said I wasn't going to please everyone. But what I said was I was going to do my best um and i believe that i have done that um but it's important that you communicate you're open you're transparent you communicate you collaborate i said i would forge new alliances renew uh, old acquaintances and build bridges um and you know the legal uh, horizon is changing um our clients want and expect us as lawyers to um provide the advice that we provide to them differently and we must be cognizant of that um so the advice is um to talk lots and listen more okay okay and uh, interestingly did, did you get any pearls of wisdom from your previous president that you'd like to share well i mean so from previous presidents one of the things that i did as well was that you know met regularly um uh, with previous presidents to seek their counsel um you know um i'm very much of the view why reinvent the wheel if it's already been invented um so you know for those who've gone before me and in fact um previous president christina blacklaws who did much around gender equality uh she hosted the gala dinner and did a fabulous job um so yes oh excellent excellent okay a quick change of direction um and a simple question i hope it's about civics education um when should this be? Do you think that civics should be taught in the compulsory school education setting? And why? Whether your answer is yes or no. So what we are told is that citizenship is there on the curriculum. Um, but, you know, um, uh, but law um, is within that. Um, but not, as we know, not everybody yeah. teaches it. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that law should be added to the national curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, my rationale for that is that the law touches every part of our lives. We cannot escape it. From the chair I'm sat on to the air I'm breathing, the technology that I'm speaking to you today across. All of this is governed by rules and regulations underpinned by law. You cannot get away from it. 
And the question I ask governors all the time is, why are we not teaching our children about the law? Because for me, legal rights mean absolutely nothing if you don't know what those rights are mm. and you don't even know when those rights are being taken away. So if we start to teach our children as from as young as they can understand it about the law, not only is it about access to justice because we know that two thirds of the UK population do not know where to go to if they have a legal issue. Mm. And uh, uh, lots of that two thirds don't even recognize you know uh, uh, the legal issue early enough uh, to stop that domino effect around you know homelessness education uh, mm -hmm. health and so forth but two-thirds of those you uh, uh, the adult population 15 of which and it's probably gone up 15 million of which who live below the poverty line even if they did know where to go to they couldn't afford it we must we must ensure that nobody is excluded from the promise of justice because of their inability to pay. Mm -hmm. So we start to teach our young children about the law earlier as possible, earliest as possible, as I said, mm -hmm. and also from a social mobility yes. prospect, mm -hmm. because how often do we hear, you know, oh, the law is an elite profession. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it, uh, it doesn't look like me. Reach. It doesn't sound like me. Mm -hmm. I don't belong. But yeah. if we start to teach law in schools, people start to think about the stepping stones, the roadmap that they have to lay. And they start to, as they move their way through the educational system, they start to think about the careers, the life choices, the GCSEs, the A-levels, the university. They start to think about those all important networks from which we know that mentors, sponsors, mm -hmm. work experience are drawn from. Not second year at university, we're not like me, but, you know, because that's quite late but we start to think before that and that's how we start to break down some of the myths that exist around this profession yes i think sort of make it part of their everyday lives if they have it at such an early age and also it allows access to in, in quotes children that you normally wouldn't think go down that route they will have access in their compulsory school education and uh, mm -hmm. perhaps select that um, you, you talked about social mobility, which is great. I want, I want to talk about that for, further because it's another one of your passions and commitments that I mentioned in the introduction. Um, you, you are a real star in this space and a real champion in this space. Um, with all that has gone on and is going on, has this taken a backseat since events such as COVID or the, the war in Iraq or even the cost of living crisis? Why does it feel like it has? I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, we are in volatile times, you know, with so much going on for all the reasons that you've amplified already. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, it is um, easy to think as to why things are not happening. But if I may, the City of London Law Society um, uh, established a fund and that fund has uh, now has uh, enough money in it to pay for 60 uh, aspiring uh, social welfare lawyers mm -hmm. to train and qualify, 60. The Law Society also runs the Diversity Access Scheme and over 10 years, it's been running for over 10 years, and we have managed to help over 200 aspiring solicitors fulfill their dream to, of becoming um, a solicitor. And there are so many other initiatives, so much being done in the space. And as I said, you know, the way the profession has galvanized itself around social mobility and EDI um, speaks volumes uh, to, the, to the power 
our, the power of our convening power. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, as I said, you know, the pandemic we know has exacerbated yeah. the inequalities that exist. But we must ensure that we continue to build on the work um, that we have started to ensure uh, that there is that the determinants to ensuring access to this profession yeah. and those who stay in it, who rise to the top, um, uh, uh, are able to do so um, through the initiatives that we provide, that we support, that we um, uh, uh, and we remove those barriers, those structural barriers mm -hmm. that exist. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the sort of sub questions that I have, which is what's left to do, I, I kind of want to um, slightly change that or sort of expand on that more sort of for Stephanie voice. What do you think now that you'll be leaving in a week's time? What do you think? Oh, I wish I had an extra time to do this or I wish I had done this earlier. Is there anything there? I'm sure when I've had time to, uh, you know, put my feet up and, and sit back, <laughs> there'll be um, things that, uh, you know, I, I, I would have wished that I had done. But, you know, I have done so much. Um, and it was for me to come to start, um, to start, you know, uh, uh, those conversations and spaces that we hadn't uh, yeah. uh, had those conversations in before. For me, being president, as I said, has been a remarkable platform, a platform to achieve uh, uh, change mm -hmm. um, and I would like to think that's exactly what I've done but when I leave office as I will leave uh, office uh, my tenure as president will come to a close on the afternoon of the 12th of October next Wednesday mm -hmm. um, I leave very satisfied because I'd always stated it was my mission to leave the profession and I didn't confine it just to solicitor profession but to leave the profession more diverse and inclusive than the one I entered mm -hmm. and I was absolutely clear as president that it must be a shared ambition with each and every one of us playing our part. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't just about me and it wasn't just going to be me that happened to be able to make the change. It had to be, a, and it must be, a collective uh, effort. Um, and as I said, the determinants to anybody coming into this profession and thriving and succeeding must be ability, aptitude, skills, ability. No other determinant matters, not your skin color, not your race, your gender, your ability, disability, any of those things, mm -hmm. characteristics, none of those matter. Right. Um, you know, let's end this episode of Heads Talk with this question. Um, you sort of half introduced it. You've achieved a number of things. In fact, an impressive list of things. We could actually dedicate the episode solely just listing the things that you've achieved and done and how you've done them but that will probably be a four hours conversation at least. And that's just talking about probably two or three of them. You hand over the reins um, of your presidency shortly, as you mentioned. So it naturally begs the question, what's next for Stephanie? Will, will you go into politics, please? <laughs> you know, lots of people have said to me about going into politics. Um, I, I don't fancy um, going in as an elected politician. Um, it's it's a bit of a you know cutthroat world isn't it really it is it is yeah um and i'm too precious for that um what Jeez. next for me <laughs> i mean ideally if i had a magic wand i would absolutely love to go into the house of lords you know yeah. um because they need me <laughs> no seriously um i would love to go into the house of lords because you know i believe um that you know i could make a real contribution there but wherever i go 
um, you know, um, I've been absolutely blessed to have occupied this space. Um, by the grace of God, I have served my profession well. It has been an absolute honor and privilege to serve as the 177th president. Um, and I managed to say all that without, um, you know... Uh, uh, You're a politician, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Answered like a true professional politician. <laughs> I've had a good apprenticeship. <laughs> all right, okay, okay. So what would be interesting, uh, this is a sort of a side question, what is your personal USP? My personal USP is that, you know, for me, if you want to know where your life is going to be in five years' time, you listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth now. I'm, you know, I speak to my truth. Words have, for me, have life. They, you know, they, 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 you know, they summon the universe. So be careful what you ask for. I'm an absolute believer in the law of attraction and positive thinking. Um, and, you know, and as I said, by the grace of God, you know, it has got me through because there have been challenges. I didn't think when I put myself forward for the fourth time, it took me four attempts uh, <laughs> yes. to be, yeah, to be successfully elected. Yes. Um, I did not think that I would come to be president at a time, tell under Brexit. I'm, I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry to sorry. interrupt, Stephanie, sorry to interrupt you, but where does that come from? The fourth time, and I'm, I'm sure you're probably someone that would probably try the seventh or the eighth time. Absolutely. Well, where going. does that come from? Where does it come from? <laughs> it comes from that burning desire that went deep down in the, into my very core that wanted to be the change that I wanted to see. Mm. And, you know, um, and not, you know, I heard people and I watched people putting themselves forward um, and I wanted to do it differently and I wanted to see difference and I'm not just talking about my skin color because mm. I'm the second in-house solicitor in almost 50 years to become president but mm. I didn't hear people talking about my area of work mm. um, and quite frankly I wanted to get here and do it differently as I said it's a remarkable platform um, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and I was going to make the most of it. Mm. Uh Please tell me there'll be a party for you, a nice leaving party. Yes, I am absolutely blessed that um, Brown Jacobson, uh, uh, LLP, um, are organising some leaving drinks for me uh, on the eve my last night as president. And I'm absolutely grateful uh, to colleagues, Brown Jacobson and colleagues, um, and the whole of the membership, the whole of the profession, mm -hmm. and all of my supporters, allies, sponsors, those known and unknown who have supported me, who have lifted me um, and enabled me to put forward the best version of myself. Excellent. And, you know, um, you've not really said what you're going to be doing next, but I, I will I will not push it any further. Though brief, uh, thank you for such an informative and heartfelt conversation on Heads Talk today. I suspect that this is one of the last interviews you, you will give as president of the Law Society of England and Wales. A great service indeed. And I'm sure and confident in saying that many will feel your absence as you hand over the reins. But for now, on this podcast on Heads Talk, Stephanie Boyce, many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals.
Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter.